Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ. Welcome back to the, another episode of the 50 Most Relevant here at the Coaches Panel. We're giving you 50 podcasts and 50 articles every day of the first 50 days of the year to help really kickstart your preseason for Supercoach, Dream Team, AFL Fantasy and Ultimate Footy. Today, a real fascinating player that's had a lot of hype over the last two preseasons, but it's dulled a little bit in 2022 and maybe understandably so. Matt Rowell is who we're talking about. And on this episode, I've got Kane back. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, MJ. Yeah, it seems like probably for the first time since he was on an AFL list that there's not really as much buzz. I think we'll get into the price that makes him extremely relevant. But I think all of that hype has sort of died down. There's a lot of pressure off of him at the moment, which um, will probably be quite a relief when you think about what happened last year with Tuke Miller, with Anderson rising up with some of the moves they've made. It mm. seems like for the first time in his career, there's not really much of an expectation on him on a, on a public sense. Obviously, internally, they'll be relying on him heavily if they want yes. to make their first finals appearance. But um, I think it leaves him in a really intriguing spot. Yeah, and for fantasy coaches, it, it's fascinating to watch a player be so hotly anticipated and believed in. See that come to fruition. And then for the better part of the last dozen games, him be incredibly underwhelming. Now, there's reasons for that, and we'll get into that in a second. But still, he's only just the 20 years of age. Um, His best scores last year were not great. Um, It was a 73 in AFL Fantasy against Brisbane and an 84 in Supercoach against Melbourne. Uh, If you want to look at what he's done from a career perspective, of course, it comes from one of those first four games of 2020 when he just absolutely dominated from the get-go. His top uh, ever Supercoach score is a 171 against the West Coast Eagles, while in that same game, an unadjusted 108. That that is closer towards the 130 territories in pure, if you're wanting to do the multiplication of 1.25, but just even in a pure sense, where he's priced at for us. The fact that he's got some career tons in there is really promising. He is priced um, very nicely. He's got an average of 55.2 last year and 63 in Supercoach. And in that format, he's going to cost less than 350K. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, priced very similarly. 464000 in AFL Fantasy and just a touch over 470 k And this time last year, Kane, I think we might have been on the episode when Matt Rao was in the 50 most relevant. He's been in it every year since he's been on an AFL list. He was in the 40s in his debut year, up in the high teens last year, regressing back into now where he does find himself at number 29 in the 50 most relevant. But pretty much if you're on Matt Rowell at any point in time last year, probably through no fault of his own, it wasn't a fun experience in salary caps or in drafts. Yeah, well, I think it's pretty simple, MJ. Unfortunately, he got injured again. You know, he got injured in round one, early in the game, missed a lot of footy. And to be honest, when you not just look at him, and this is something I think a lot of people need to think about, it is extremely hard 
to catch back up from an in-season injury that has extended like it was for him. You know, it was over three months of footy that he missed. So you read about those numbers. They are, you know, below what expectation was for someone of his caliber. Mm. Think about this guy as well who came back after he missed a large chunk of the season. Dylan Shield, a guy that's nearly got a decade in the league, been a hundred guy. He came back after a layoff. He averaged 62 in DT, 67. Like, you think about a Josh Dunkley. Yeah, Dunkley like, would almost feel very comparable. Maybe he's a little bit higher with some tackle count and, and some other elements there. But... Well, and think about the side he's playing in MJ. But True. My, my point is he came back and in his five games in the home and away season, he averaged 63 and a 71. Yeah. So th- my point is it is so difficult when you suffer a long-term injury Absolutely. and you are limited in your training to come back in the season and produce anything. Yeah, it is extremely hard. So it's not just a Matt Rao problem. No, but Those are two guys that are proven elite scorers who are much older, have much more um, experience at AFL level, have played way more games, and, and they're elite scorers, and they're going in the 60s as well. So I'm wiping that slate fully off my books. I think you have to. You, last year you go... Like he had one game of 20 pass possessions. He didn't even have much of a preseason prior to that injury anyway. So for me, I go, I'm prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt. For some, that might be oh, too much. Okay. But yeah, there's way too much information to go, oh, he's not the premium we once thought he could be. He's not the fantasy prospect we thought he could be. Absolutely not true. Remind ourselves of what he can be, not just in a hypothetical forecast but can be in what he has done in the first four rounds of 2020 remember these are shortened games this is what a first four game player is delivering 18 possessions per game five tackles four clearances four score involvements two rebound 50s two inside 50s and a score build that showed he is not just the one-dimensional contested ball winner and can't do anything else. That year before that injury that impacted him in 2020 with that shoulder injury, scores, again, unadjusted in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team of 64, 108, 104, and 78. 80 was the 100 of 2020. So he is, if you want to play the adjusted average game, fine. He's basically just shy of a 90 in that format, in four games. While in Supercoach, 72, 172, 141 and 114, that average of 100 prior to that shoulder injury. The reason we go back to this is it is reflective of what he showed as dominance across his junior years, Kane, in in that under-18 championships in 2019. 25 disposals, 12 contested. In the NAB League, when he played for the Oakley Chargers, he averaged 32 possessions, 17 of them contested, eight tackles, four marks, and an average of 171 in Supercoach and 123 in Dream Team and Fantasy. And so the question isn't, can Rao score? The question is, are we finally going to let him see his body allow him to do what he's done as a junior in a small bite-sized cherry moment of the AFL. Because if his body's going to allow him to, it feels like a no-brainer pick in a, in a few different formats this year. Yeah, and again, just to backtrack to 2020, MJ, that four-round average 
was 89 unadjusted. It's up to 110 in those first four games. Yeah, wow. And it's up to 125 before that because you've got to have that, you've got to take out that injury game. That's true. In yeah, Geelong. It was 88 so, with the injury game. Yeah. Now we know just how hard it is to produce a ton in your first season. True. Again, this guy didn't produce tons, MJ. He collected nine Brownlow votes from round two to round four, yeah, and they yeah. won all three of those games. So right. now that's a very small sample size. Sure. And at the price, the expectation doesn't have to be anywhere near that. I think if you get 80 plus in both formats, he's probably, done his, he's probably done his job in your side. Um, and I think that's about where the line should be. The thing that impresses me last year in those games he did play, mm. the tackle count is still very solid for a guy that's not in great shape. You know, he's got a nine tackle game, a seven tackle game, two six tackle games. The contested possessions, 13, 12, 10, couple nine games. The only game that he played, um, when he played the whole game, his lowest contested possession count was six. Yeah. Like, that is really, really high, MJ. Like, there's a lot of guys in their first couple of years, that's the area they struggle. For Rao, that's a strength. So you got to think, when he develops that tank, when he can find those pockets for the easier possessions, that's yeah. when his score is really going to explode. So for me, he's a safe person to have in your all-starting squads across all formats at the moment. Yeah. The price is fine. Uh, you know, if these cows emerge, maybe structurally you'll have to go somewhere else because sure. you know you're getting some greater value and you can do a few more things with your team. But I think at this point, um, he's just a person you have in your lineup. You just leave him there, and in, in time you'll have more information than you can either hold, yes. go up, or go down. It's it's a very flexible position to have around. Yeah, I think where the interesting part, MJ, is how people judge him in a single season draft and, and keepers. Yeah. We probably have to touch on keepers, but single season, um, you know, if we're going with your classic 10 team, seven mids. Yeah, sure. You know, I think, I think people are going to be thinking, you know, people are going to be drafting with about a 75, 80 in mind. Yeah. Um, I think for, if you've got him at that range, roll him up around because I think you've got a the potential to get 85, 90, yeah. which would take him from, you know, an M, five to maybe, you know, pushing M4 type of range. Uh, I think you've got to go with that upside. But again, I think a lot of people will just wait really late mm. and as a result, probably not get in because I don't think there is, uh, you know, a burn factor to say. I think 90. No, not at that range. No. I, think, I think 90 is about as much as you can really hope for. I think beyond that, you're probably pushing your luck. Yeah, the burn uh, probably kicks if, you, if you're drafting him at an M3 range expecting that start of 2020 to be normative and he doesn't do that that's where the burn hits but if you're picking him at m6 m7 yeah we know when you, there's we know no you get down to the, you, know, you know you get down to 70 type of high 70 type of guys at m7 yeah. um so i think uh, yeah, roll him up around he's probably as i said m4 m5 at, yeah. at best um i think I'm if you can there. find a sweet spot but at the same time MJ, if there's another guy you think, you know, he's probably he's probably going up against your Lipinskis and these type of guys that have True. a bit of buzz at the moment. So um, I don't think he's a real hurt factor this year or a win factor this year. Now, clearly where it gets really tricky is a keeper because yeah. his best years are clearly ahead of him. Yes, uh, no doubt. He's a number one pick. He's, again, he's got more Brownlow votes in his games that he has played than a lot of good AFL players. It's true. Uh, and, and I still think he is 
the key piece along probably with Ben King for the Suns going forward, you know, put Anderson in there as well. We know Miller's still got plenty of good footy, but that sort of trio of, of King, Anderson and Rao, that's mm. sort of that core that if you're going to be pushing for not only their first finals, but a first flag, you can start seeing if you've got two gun mids and a gun forward, you're on your way, you're building. Yeah. Um, now where, where you feel like the risk sits when you can pick him, I think yeah. that's the really interesting part. I think, if you're taking Rao, again, you're going to have to build your team that you want to be peaking in probably, in all honesty, you're going to have to be patient. I think you're going to have to be thinking you're in the mix from maybe 2025 onwards. Yeah. So again, in the first round, you know, he's probably in a, he's probably in that range MJ where I think, I think to pick 25 is probably the earliest I could see him going. Yeah. I think you're turning down a lot that's in that similar bracket. Maybe even his teammate is going to have to beat out Noah Anderson. Yeah, but I think if he starts, if he's around fifty plus, Ooh, and you can yeah. and you can target a strategy where you are happy to be patient. And mm. To be honest, I think patient is a good approach in keepers with the chaos we've got with COVID. You'd hate to be in a flag push window this and year yeah. and lose. Just say you got an Aaron Hall, a Zorko, these type of guys that might only have a couple of years left, yeah. and you lose them at a key time. Yeah. So I think if you can sort of structure it around, and maybe you take a a Will Day, a Hayden Young, a, a, a Walsh, an Anderson, a Sorong. If you can time that and have a group that you think Emerge in a couple together. of years, yeah, just grow together. So I think if he gets past 50, you start feeling like, yep, this is a guy that I can, I can see the growth. Now, will he be a 110 guy? Hard to know. He might be a, he might be a judge guy where he is a lot of contested footy. Maybe he doesn't yeah. develop that outside game. But I think at the very worst, you're going to get five, six seasons of, of 95 plus. Yeah. Um, again, is he going to be an absolute fantasy pig and be 115 plus? We don't know. Maybe. We don't know. But I think at that point in the draft, MJ, if you've done enough keepers, you know, once you get outside the first sort of 40, 50 picks, mm-hmm. there's a lot of much for muchness. When you take away those 28, 29-year-olds, and if you're going raw, you're going a youth strategy. You're putting a line through probably anyone 29 plus because they're yeah, not going to be there. You're not into tilt. billings. You're not into five. Yeah, once, once you take this. them out, yeah. once you take them out, all of a sudden just by saying he's an 80 guy, he's pretty high up on your board if he's going to give you that much service for probably a decade. Yeah, no, it's true. And for people that already own him in the existing keeper league, probably 18 months ago, you could not pry him from the coach's dead hands. Whereas now it is an opportunity for you to potentially go and buy low where previously to get Raul, it might've cost you merit and another big premium. Whereas now you might be going, man, I, I could, you know, I'm just using merit as the illustration, certainly not as a reason to play at a target going, well, I might get something back with Raul as well as moving out of merit. So, so there's a great opportunity for strategies for coaches there. I think the upside of Raul is he's got the potential based on junior stats and that four-game sample size to be the best fantasy player in the game without, without any question that's within a, a realm of probability. And he's also, to your point, got that Chris Judd-esque scoring where in ultimate footy, AFL fantasy, dream team scoring, where the stat stuffing needs to be rewarded, he could just be Mr. 95 and a really good, reliable guy. Those, I think, are kind of the outcome areas for him. And then in keepers, he's going to go certainly inside the top 50 picks. Um, For most keepers, I agree. I think in the first 25 to 30, probably feels like you might overreach 
just given what he's had to navigate. But as everything we get out of the club right now is he's dominating match simulation. He beat up on Tuke Miller, not literally, but in a in a sense at stoppage practice work. And that's exactly what Suns fans are wanting to hear. It's what Keeper League folks are wanting to hear. And also for those that are playing single season salary cap that go, he's value. You might not need a stepping stone this year if we get enough cows. But if you're looking at a stepping stone in any of the formats through your midfield, Raul is an absolute one of the best, if not the best, stepping stone midfielder for us in 2022. Hey, Kane, appreciate your work today on this episode as we talked about Matt Raul. No problem, MJ. If you want to go and read the article, there's a bunch more other stuff that we didn't get to in the podcast for you. Go and read and check out now, not just about Matt, but all the other players in the 50 most relevant. You can check it out at coachespanel.tv. While you're there, you can sign up to our Patreon supporter group. It's one of the ways you can get involved in some exclusive access and as a way of saying thanks to the Coaches Panel for the content hopefully you're enjoying this preseason. Tomorrow, we get to the number 28 of the 50 most relevant. A player that in keeper leagues, you're certainly considering inside the top 20 picks. He's a young gun. He's broken out. But can he go from being a really good 100 player to being one of the next big Uber premiums across all of the formats? I think it's just a matter of time before he does it. Who is he? And is 2022 his season? We'll talk about that tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.